Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Welcome to Sports Day on this Wednesday night. Mark Reddings and Paul Heath taking you through until 8 o'clock tonight. Great to have you along for the ride. One double three eight eighty two is our number. Some news headlines quickly as we jump in. Thanks to Polaris. Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand up at the Gold Coast. The West Indies making nine for 145 in that T20 match against Australia. WA, as you heard in the news, winning by eight wickets against New South Wales at the Wacker. And Nick Subin has officially retired. The former Docker, ex-South Fremantle and Peel player, has bowed out after winning a premiership with South a couple of years ago. And lots more sport to talk about, including Trade Week as I welcome Hita to the show. Good evening to you. Good evening, Skeet. Thank you for that uh, warm welcome. And uh, yeah, what a great career Soob's had. Uh, one of the, you know, one of my favourite Dockers at least, uh, you know, growing up and being a fan of Fremantle. He always gave everything that he had uh, left in him and uh, certainly did that once he moved over to South Fremantle as well. So a credit to him that he's had such a great career. Absolutely. Yeah, of course, in the first hour tonight, we'll catch up with... Uh, a young man who's headed across from Fremantle to the North Melbourne Kangaroos, Darcy Tucker. He, along with Griffin Logue, today it was locked and loaded, confirmed. No surprise that that deal has taken place. And so the Fremantle Dockers, Peter Bell, quite openly saying uh, they had to be careful about the way they negotiated that deal uh, because North Melbourne had the luxury of looking towards the, the pre-season draft to, to try and uh, win those players without uh, much cost at all. So uh, the Fremantle Dockers taking a small win despite taking maybe a little bit of a hit as well. It was interesting, wasn't it, that that was uh, perhaps the case, that uh, North Melbourne quite happy to march. They can't march everyone to the preseason draft, can they? There's enough uh, that they were holding off on, but no, the Dockers have uh, got themselves at least a couple of future picks. They'll probably use those points maybe down the line as well for some academy players along the way, but do we know where those um, AFL um, help out picks are, Skeet? Are they at the start of a round, at the back of a round? Is there any information about where they might sit other than a second or third round? No, I'm not too sure. There's, okay. <laughs> there's a bit of indecision, a bit of uncertainty on that front. So being given indecision and uncertainty, yes. there has been some speculation late today, and I think the Eagles uh, have been pretty quick, uh, having made a phone call, just to, to just water these uh, prospects <laughs> down, that there'd be a three-way deal involving Port Adelaide, North Melbourne, and the West Coast Eagles, in a nutshell, uh, to try and unpack this. Uh, the suggestion being that the West Coast Eagles uh, get pick number eight and a future first-round pick tied to Port Adelaide, but give up pick number two and junior Rioli. Uh, North Melbourne, of course, uh, as part of this deal, would give up Jason Horn-Francis, but get pick number two and another pick or player from Port Adelaide. And the power themselves would get Jason Horn-Francis and junior Rioli. In exchange, they give up pick eight and a future first-round pick and another 
pick or player to the roost. So if you wonder why journalists and sports fans are a bit confused about the dynamics of trade work, there's just a, a snapshot, but a three-way yeah. deal that has been put forward, mm. but... It is unlikely that's going to happen, particularly from a West Coast Eagles perspective. We need a mega trade, though, Skate. You know, we've been seeing these players just move for picks. It's all very happy. Everyone's getting where they want to go so far. But we need these clubs getting involved. Yeah, let's get to four or five clubs. Let's get as many involved as possible. Get the players moving around, the picks moving around. But this one, unfortunately, looks a little bit unlikely. But the Eagles would be happy with that haul, wouldn't they? You're getting, you know, splitting the pick two into two first-rounders, but it is a big loss as well there. Yeah, you got pick two, which is very rare for them to have that. Uh, the suggestion being that if they could split their picks and, and re- retain a high pick next year, that there's a very good draft batch of, of West Aussies mm. coming through. So that there's a line of thinking down that path, but I'm not 100% convinced that will uh, satisfy what the West Coast Eagles want, but that is certainly part of our news headlines. Thanks to Polaris. Thank you, Australia, for making Polaris Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand 21 years in a row. And, of course, uh, uh, we're talking trade, but also coming up pretty shortly, the AFL Combine is happening in Melbourne, and about a dozen West Australians will head across for that. So there's uh, a little snapshot of uh, what's on offer for those uh, looking towards a draft, which will take place in the middle of November. Also a chance tonight, by the way, for your Wednesday wine. Imagine the best DM breaker, the world's best rock breakers. Give us a call, 133882. What's frustrated you? What's got under your skin over the past uh, day or two? We're happy to be your ear. We'll, uh, we'll listen. We'll be the uh, shoulder to cry on and also we'll lift you back up as well. But as I was saying, I'm, I'm a little bit whingy and whiny about their no, no mega trade yet, Skate. Do you think that they're holding off, you know, maybe a Luke Jackson type deal or something like that to be the one that they're going to have for the televised spot at the end of trade week? Oh, no question. There'll be a, a, a carrot yeah. in terms of a trade late in the piece and the, the Luke Jackson deal might be that one. Uh, when you say a mega trade, because it's, it's, it's trade week, but it's actually almost trade fortnight, isn't it? It's closer to a fortnight than a week. Oh. Doesn't go too long. We've had this debate for uh, a long time, but it does keep football types oh, talking about goodness. the issues. And look, even today, this morning, I'm in there at the 6PR newsroom and there's a, a trade done between uh, the Western Bulldogs and St Kilda where Zane Cordy, mm. unrestricted free agent, he is crossing. And I go off the top of sport where we're talking about players that uh, if you if Zane Cordy walked down the street now, you probably wouldn't recognise him. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a solid player, but yep. because the interest in football and trades is so significant, um, some of these deals, which ordinarily you wouldn't, glance twice at, it's getting headlines left, right and centre. Not even, what, two weeks out from the grand final. Everyone still has that hunger and that desire to stick their teeth into some football. And we have been um, comparing the two with NRL and how some players perhaps call their you know shot a little bit further. Maybe the downside to that, Skeet, is that NRL news at the moment, it's all fairly negative. You know, there's guys getting into uh, punch-ups at nightclubs. There's, you know, the outrage about Penrith continuing to um, have a great time after their grand final win. So maybe having all this, uh, you know, sort of hypotheticals uh, keeps it on the field rather than uh, divulging into some of the off-field issues that we're seeing in the NRL. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the, the big issue, I suppose, from a West Australian perspective, we know that the Dockers have got some players looking to, to move to the East Coast. Uh, the West Coast Eagles have been a little bit more circumspect with uh, their movements in uh, the last 24 hours. They have uh, put out there that they that try and do a deal to, to accommodate Luke Jackson. I'm not so sure that that's going to be the case. I still think that given what Fremantle has put forward, it's 
To me, it's just a case of the Dockers just uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and mm. satisfying the needs of Melbourne, which uh, ha- hasn't been done yet, but I suspect that is the most likely path for Luke Jackson to be a Fremantle Docker, which I don't think surprises anyone. No, and I, I, I still don't think the Eagles management could go back to their supporter base and say, this is what we did at this week's trade hall, bringing in Luke Jackson, who is a bit of a finishing player. Uh, he's young, but he's not coming in to help that next generation of West Coast scene. We've saw Jack Redden retire because he wants the next generation to come through and there to be some younger players taking his spot. So it has to be a Fremantle sort of spot, but we're going to keep having the conversation. We're going to keep hearing that both teams are in with a chance because it keeps pushing that price up. It keeps going to two first rounders plus something else involved as well, which two first rounders I think is 100% fair for what we're looking at, but it's just going to keep going around until one club finally emerges as the uh, leader um, outside of just the uh, hypotheticals, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, well, Luke Jackson, I think probably most likely is suited to going to the West Coast Eagles given the needs that they have with uh, Nick Natanui towards the end of his career. They don't have uh, as much, I suppose. You look at what Fremantle have got and they've got the Roy Lobb. I guess that's the question... If he goes, they are left with a bit of a, a quandary as to mm. um, Jai Amos gets pushed up next season, and that seems a natural progression. Uh, where does Luke Jackson play? And even ask, after asking Simon Garlic, nobody's quite able to put their finger on what he is, whether mm. he's a forward, whether he's a ruck, whether he's a hybrid. <laughs> hybrid. He's yeah. even mentioned as someone who could play inside the centre square but not do the ruck work. So uh, that's all fascinating to find out where he will end up. One double three eight eighty two. If you'd like to give us a Wednesday wine, if you'd like to talk about the draft, the trades, anything that you think might um, might eventuate over the next week or so, what you would like to see. Junior Rioli, of course, likely to end up at Port Adelaide. And Port, to me, seemed like the club. They are, at least the indications are during this trade period, that they believe that their premiership window is there. And that's why they're going after Jason Horn francis who wants to come home. And, of course, Junior Rioli, those two players automatically will give them uh, a huge boost heading into next season. feels like every year they pop up as, you know, not a destination club, but certainly someone that's happy to bring in talent from other clubs. It does start to make you start to wonder, how do they fit them all in? And we've seen Geelong, we know that players are taking those, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, um, reduced salaries to be able to fit everyone in. If Jack Bowes ends up at Geelong, there's a good chance that he's going to be their highest paid player almost out there. And, you know, he might not be within the 22. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see how it uh, continues to play out. And as I've got my spot here tonight on Sports Day with you, Skeet, I hear it from Dockers fans a lot that this show does lead towards the Eagles a little bit. And I say, well, I don't hear from any Dockers fans calling up. So I put a tweet out earlier today. I had a message when I woke up this morning from a friend who said, what's going on down there, mate? Have you heard anything? You know, is everything all right? But so far, I don't think they've lost anything that they can't replace. But I want to hear from Dockers fans tonight. One double three eight eighty two. Are you worried by the departures? Are you excited by who might be joining? Or are you just ignoring the noise around trade week? I want to hear from Dockers fans tonight on the show so we can put to bed. But this is only a one-way-leaning show. Yeah, well, you have to look at what's going out of Fremantle as opposed to, at this point, what's coming in. And mm. uh, you can understand the concerns by some Docker supporters. Rodney is in Balladura, wants to talk to us tonight. Good night, Rodney. How are you going? Hi. I'm just wondering, um, with that Megatron that was just discussed, why can't we also get a pick or a player from Port Adelaide like Sam Powell Pepper? Wasn't wasn't part of what was uh, mooted to, to going forward. I'm not sure that Sam Pepper is a priority, to be honest with you, Rodney, going forward. I think he would be, as I say, uh, 
at the steak knives on the back end of, of a deal. But I'm not sure that that's what the Eagles are after. Uh, Heidi, you might disagree with me, but I, I think what they want is a good, good hit in the draft, uh, mm. because this is uh, rare territory for them. They just haven't had a look. Uh, this high up number two as it stands now to get themselves a quality pick going forward. So uh, look, uh, Sam Palpepper has been mentioned. I have not heard any whispers no. or any talk that, um, the Eagles are heading down that path. But look, he's a, he's a steady, strong player for Port. He's been used as a medi sub quite regularly. Uh, for them, has an impact player, whether he's what the Eagles need at the moment. Look, I, I suppose in many ways, Sambo Petrescu Seaton came across different type of player, but came across from Carlton was a mm. high draft pick. Hasn't really lived up to his expectation that, that when he came to town, uh, mind you, he didn't live up to his expectation in many ways at Carlton. So uh, bringing in players that recycle without mm. a, a real use, and I think West Coast are in a position now where they they are going for, for pure youth. I think youth is the way to go. Obviously, if they can get some talent mm. through the door, that's important as well. But I think they're, they're at a different stage to Fremantle, uh, given what we saw this year. He's a hard-bodied midfielder. Um, I like some of his work. He can finish as well in front of goal, Sam Pepper. So there's definitely a want for him. But as far as a replacement over some of the players we've seen in the West Coast Eagles side and perhaps out of the West Coast Eagles side now, you're only adding about a 5 7% sort of, you know, extra sort of addition to the player there. So I think the Eagles are looking for, yeah, those younger sort of players to come through and be the next generation and perhaps something outside of the system that we've already seen because I think they might be getting a bit of the, the same if they did bring Sam Pepper in. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, in, incisive at all. No, I'm not sure he's going to certainly fit with the, uh, not just the, the age demographic, but also what they're searching for in this uh, so-called rebuild or, or resurging of the, the footy club. Uh, draft picks, that's exactly what the West Coast Eagles are chasing. One double three eight eighty two. Give us a call. Give us your thoughts. Uh, the Wednesday Wine, Imagine the Best, DM Breaker, the world's best rock breakers. Uh, coming up shortly, we'll check in with uh, newly turned North Melbourne player Darcy Tucker. But after that, after this though, plenty of time for your calls on 133882. It's 19 past six. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Great to have your company on Sports Day. Just a sports update proudly brought to you by Newseed, delivering you top-performing canola genetics and superior customer service. Just repeating, WA beating New South Wales by eight wickets in the Sheffield Shield down at the WACA ground. Lance Morris. Uh, fantastic figures. Nine wicket haul for him in the match. And Teague Wiley scoring a century. Uh, a wicket up at the, uh, Metricon Stadium, by the way. One for 15. Australia chasing 146 in that T20 warm-up match against the West Indies. Uh, let's go to the phones and perhaps a Wednesday wine. Imagine the best DM Breaker. Distributors of the world's best rock breakers. DMBreaker.com.au. Mark Denise Freo. Hi, Mark. Yeah, hello. Fire away. Hello. Yep, Mark, go, uh, go yeah. for your life. One of the reasons why the Eagles are in the predicament they are is because they sold the farm a few years ago for Tim Kelly and gave up first and second rounders. So whatever happens in this trade period, I ideally hope they don't do the same again. We haven't had a top five draft pick in 10 years and we need to take that number two pick to the draft and bring in a decent young player. I don't disagree with you at all, Mark. I think that's... Uh... I think you're on the same page as the West Coast Eagles. I'm not sure they're going to be entertaining, giving up too much. They've got the chance to, to get a very high draft pick, and uh, I suspect they will be, uh, unless something absolutely remarkable changes the course of uh, their thoughts, I think they'll be sticking with the number two pick. So, um, yeah, bring in some young talent. That's what you're saying, Mark, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's what we need, yeah. 
Agreed totally. Of course, Campbell Chesser, their top pick last year, he did not get a look at nope. uh, any footy because of uh, injury. And someone actually told me a couple of weeks ago, even a week ago, that he, he might have still been uh, incapacitated to some degree Oof. or doing rehab. So whether that's the case, I stand corrected on it. But if that's the case, Campbell Chesser, let's hope he can get himself right for the pre-season. Really needs a break of luck if uh, that is the uh, the case there, Skeet. Yeah, unfortunately, so he's picked up a number 14, first uh, selection for West Coast in their last year's draft. No games. Uh, yeah, so if he's back down with injury, that's uh, that's a massive uh, blow for what they're trying to get going next year. And just think of what happened in that first pre-season game. Donnie is about to join us. But in that first pre-season game against Fremantle, Dom Sheed goes down, Elliot Yo goes oh. down, and Campbell Chesser. I think yes. in the same game. So it was a horror show from early in the season. Uh, as uh, I don't need to remind Donnie and Spearwood. <laughs> Hi, Donnie. Uh, good on you, Mark. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you got a doctor with you, have you? <laughs> uh, I think he, I'm not sure where his leanings are, but uh, he was uh, certainly trotting out the mate. Fremantle line. Uh, no doubt. But anyway, what Mark said before, I said time and time again. I've got nothing against Tim Kelly. But to give up so much to get him was absolutely rubbish. But now, I don't want him to even think about giving up the second draft pick for, to get Luke Jackson. Okay? Do whatever you need to. If you can get him, get him. But don't give up. But to give up a second, second draft pick, I would never issue. Okay, I will drop down to number eight. All right? Well, let's face it. First five picks or first eight, some of them, okay, it's just a number. All right? Have a look at Chris Judd. He, he was number, he, he was uh, overlooked and it was number three. But, you know, those three fellas, they couldn't split them. But I, what I would like to see him to do, you know, okay, if they're thinking about dropping down order, no problem and get first-round draft pick next year because I believe next year is going to be a super draft. Correct yeah, me don't if disagree. I'm wrong. No, I don't disagree. That's, and that's why the rumour or the speculation has started about the Eagles splitting their picks to, to give them a better look at next year's draft. So whether that happens, Johnny, I'm not convinced that's where they're going to go because, uh, as you say, they need to keep their highest draft pick up their sleeve and unless something falls in their lap, I, I'd suspect they're going to... Uh, stick to what they've got. All right, thanks, boys. Good on you, Donnie. Donnie and Spearwood. Uh, just touching on some uh, trade radio update news. Thanks to CMC Markets. Trade your way with CMC Markets. Visit cmcmarkets.com. Uh, Tom Berry has been traded to the Gold Coast Suns. So uh, pick 46 and a future second rounder are heading to the Suns in exchange for a trio of draft picks there. So Tom Berry off, uh, well, only down the highway yeah. to uh, the Gold Coast and, and Metricon Stadium. Stuart Chew. And it's interesting, isn't it? Trying to get uh, players to clubs such as uh, the Giants and also more so the Gold Coast Suns and mm. Brisbane, but to those northern states to get players of quality to go there, um, not so much at the back end of their career, but when they've you know either been drafted or mm. at their prime has always been difficult and not much has changed. Bit of a red letter day for Gold Coast today to get Tom Berry in and also Ben Long on a five-year deal. So they're two pretty handy players that you can see improving Gold Coast next year and they've still got a whole heap of business to do at the trade table as well with uh, what they're trying to move along in the Steak Knives deal. That, that's starting to get a bad name about it. We can't say Steak Knives anymore, unfortunately. I think it was Jack Crisp who was uh, upset 
about the uh, terminology of steak knives being used. We saw Will Brody last season, known as the sta- uh, known as the steak knives at Fremantle. So, yeah, uh, Gold Coast, but those two players are going to help them along a uh, long way. And then also had a couple of pick swaps as well today, uh, Gold Coast. So, big day, red letter day almost, almost as big as the day they got um, lucky... Weller. Weller in uh, well, for pick two. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Not sure. Look, look uh, who the names were Berry and Long. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah at this stage, I'm, you know, I'm thinking they're, they're good mid range mm. players. But, uh, when it comes to, you know, that top end challenge, you see Isaac Rankin leave at the end of last season. You see, I mean, hopefully the, the big boy King comes back and, and yeah. that will be like having a recruit. The Gold Coast Suns, uh, I think, they need to play finals to, to validate the, the money that's been invested, the time that's gone up to the Gold Coast. And as for the Giants, well, Jason McCartney, their list manager, he's had so much work to do over this postseason uh, with the talent just pouring out the door. Now, obviously, they'll get some great draft picks, but mm. we talk about taking local talent as, as draft selections. What do the Giants do? Because invariably, if they take a, a, a Victorian, within a year or two, uh, they're knocking on the door saying, let me out. Uh, it's purgatory, isn't it, a little bit for uh, where the players end up because, yeah, Richmond, uh, Essendon, Geelong, they all come calling very quickly. They don't even wait for that second year anymore, do they? Like the first year and then they're in to try and get those players out. So, yeah, uh, I, I, and there's not, there is, you know, some, uh, young talent coming through in the pathways over in New South Wales, but there's not enough to spend all the picks that they have. They have to look into a Victoria, into a WA and then, have the worry that they're not going to be able to retain the player. Yeah, the academies are working pretty well for them, particularly in, in Sydney. So that that has been a, a really good area of, uh, of football talent for them. Uh, but look, let's be honest, it's happening all across the, the country with Jason Horn Francis, who's a South Australian, uh, one year in the system, number one pick, North Melbourne. He said he's had enough, so he's going back to South Australia. So contracts, as we've said, constantly, Will Schofield and myself last night, even asked Colin Young uh, last week about contracts. Are they worth the paper they're written on in the AFL? Certainly, in many cases, um, you look at some of those player deals and Rory Lobb, still with a year to go on his contract, yep. still trying to get out of it. Yep. The question is, how do players get from A to B? It's becoming easier for them, but the Dockers are one club, particularly with Lobb. Not, maybe not this year. We'll wait and find out. But certainly last year, they stood on their digs. He played his best year, yeah. and that now has given Lobb more value for Fremantle to bargain with. We, we talk about other sports scheme here about contract years and players perhaps taking a bit of a uh, you know gamble on themselves to have that performance year and then perhaps get that next big contract. But he's still got a year before he can get to that next big contract in theory. But we're seeing that more and more those contracts are able to be broken, or there's a way to you know unpart a player from a team. So that's still to come. That could be another one that <laughs> pops up, you know, for that uh, uh, later week um, televised. Uh, draft week, uh, you know, uh, trade week uh, special coming up. Absolutely, don't discount. Uh, you're right there that uh, Rory Lobby is late in the piece. And as Peter Bell said to us on Sports Day a couple of nights ago, we're not heartless as a footy club, mm. just trying to drive the right bargain to get the best yeah. result for, for Fremantle going forward. Because when it comes to key forwards next year, uh, Amos uh, developing, but young Tabner, some injuries along the way. Tracy still mm. yet to confirm himself as a as a game-on-game player. So, yeah, Rory Lobb, albeit I think if they can get the right deal, uh, that will be done in due course. But as if you listen to Peter Bell and Simon Gallick at the moment, uh, no deal, as yeah, they say right. in the classics. One double three eight eighty two. time for your calls. Coming up shortly, we'll catch up with Darcy Tucker uh, from the North Melbourne Football Club, having transferred from the Fremantle Football Club. It's 28 to 7. Mark Reddings and Paul Heath joining you on this Wednesday night. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year.
Great to have your company on Sports Day. One double three eight eighty two is our number. A quick sports update, proudly brought to you by Newseed. Uh, up at Metricon Stadium, two for thirty four. Australia, the men dismissed Warner and Mitch Marsh cheaply as they look for one forty six to. Uh, just to head towards a, a victory and also uh, try and work out their batting lineup for the yeah. the upcoming World T20 Cup because we know that Mitch Marsh uh, is going to come into the side batting at three most likely, but it's Aaron Finch who's dropped down the order and Cameron Green mm. who's uh, open as he did in India. But recently. He, he's not in the squad. Yeah, right for the T20 World Cup. So how is he in the thinking now, but not in the? I know we need to wait for an injury. Uh, there needs to be an injury replacement for him to get into the squad, but. Are they telegraphing what they're going to be doing? Is uh, is that what you're thinking with with that, or is it just he, he's like the hot hand and away we keep going with Cam Green? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you're right though. That there has to be an injury as such after you name the World Cup mm. team to to make that adjustment. So uh, Cam Green, uh, unfortunately for him at this point, he he's uh, looked the goods but hasn't been able to force his way into that uh, World Cup squad just yet. One double three eight eighty two. Let's go to the phones. Muzzer in Beckenham. Hi, Muzz. Yeah, g'day, Skater and Hedo. How are you, boys? Good, thank mate. you. Yeah, mate, uh, got to give kudos to the Dubbo cricket team. They did well in the one-day cup and the Shield team. I hope they can continue that all season. And uh, well done to the boys there. And as far as I'm concerned with Freo, mate, the less said about Freo, the better. Go Eagles. <laughs> Good on you, Marza. Just uh, keeping himself uh, very much in the same line of, uh. of, of West Coast Eagles. And Perth Footy Club, he doesn't vary too much no, from that. No, it's good. Good on you, Muzzer. And uh, just on GWS, by the way, they have four picks inside the top 20 at the moment after their pick swap with uh, Brisbane today. So they've got three, 12, 15, and 19. And I think there's only uh, two other teams that have two picks in the top 20, which is West Coast with two and 20 at the moment and Sydney with 14 and 17. Mm. So GWS could get straight to work or package a couple of those for someone to come in there. You know, so it's a good crop of name, draft picks, isn't it? When you think of, but they do lose uh, Taranto, they lose no. Hopper, I think yeah. Tanner Broon. They've, He's gone. Yeah. They've <laughs> lost some some real quality there. So that that's mm. a difficult situation for Adam Kingsley coming in as coach to try to look towards the future, but also he wants to get success and, and create some uh, some success at the club in his first season. So that remains to be seen. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Anne is in Baldivis. Hi, Anne. Hello. Hi, Anne. Far away. Hello. <clears throat> About the game on Sunday, the T20 game versus England. Yep. Um, it's quite, it, it's um, specified as a special event. However, there's no parking anywhere. There's no special transport anywhere. So for someone to come from down uh, Mandurah way, it's a trip into the city, change trains, get to the stadium, uh, and so forth. Is there any chance you can get in touch with Transperth or the uh, Cricket Australia or someone? I've been in touch with the WACA. I've been in touch with the stadium. I've been in touch with Transperth. And uh, our only option is to park at a station somewhere and get there somehow. Yeah, well, we'll certainly look into it for you, Anne, and uh, try and have an answer for you tomorrow night about uh, some other options. But, yeah, the uh, train station will be open at the stadium, uh, which is not usually during the week. I know that's not uh, too close, and it's not a direct uh, train or transport. I don't think the buses are running either skeet as they usually would during the uh, football season. So it does become a little bit harder, as Anne's saying, to uh, get to the game. But we'll definitely follow that up and uh, see if we can uh, get you some uh, finer point answers on that one. What do you think, uh, thanks for calling, Anne, what do you think numbers-wise,
otherwise they'll get on Sunday, given uh, – we know there's some World T20 action happening mm. here in the next uh, few weeks. But in terms of a crowd, are we – are we into cricket just yet? <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's a, a question where are people still thinking football? Mm. Uh, and, of course, it's right over England. So we haven't seen international cricket in this state for yep. so long. Obviously, the pandemic, the main reason. But will we, will we get 15, 20,000? Am I being really unrealistic? I think 15 might be the absolute top. It's only uh, 18 degrees as well and cloudy on Sunday. So that might play into some people's hands of uh, staying at home and uh, watching from there. But, yeah, it's... It, it's hard to see how much support there is for international cricket in WA after how long we've had without it. Everyone's sort of turned their attention to WA cricket because they've been performing at such a high nth as well, but hopefully everyone gets out there and uh, supports it as we are rolling into the T20 World Cup. We'll have some matches here at Optus, so there's going to be plenty going on. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, Anne, and for those people wanting to get to the game, apart from uh, the, the train services, we can give you some idea as to uh, what are the outlets, what other transport is available if possible. But uh, I do know that parking on the day is uh, reasonable restrictive. So uh, best if uh, if you are coming along to leave a little earlier. So I think it's a 4.10 start. Uh, this T20 match should be done by about 7 o'clock. Um, and therefore, uh, you'd, you'd want like to be sort of on the road and hopefully in the, around the vicinity of the city by about 3 o'clock to, to give yourself plenty of time. But uh, that is all ahead of us as Australia takes on England. It's going to be a beauty as two of the best teams in T20 cricket go at it uh, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, as he said, a bit of a cloud and perhaps a, a drop of rain or two, but uh, by the, the majority, it's going to be a reasonably fine weekend. Uh, by the way, you can get behind the Perth Wildcats this season, head to tickettech.com.au. Now, up next, we're going to check in with Darcy Tucker, who's moved across from Fremantle to North Melbourne. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. One double three eight eighty two is our talkback number. Time to roll into our trade radio update. Thanks to Continental Tyres, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia, and Trade Week has produced a few deals, including Darcy Tucker, Fremantle docker turned North Melbourne kangaroo. He joins us for a chat after what was a, a terrific career at Fremantle, but now now heading across to Arden Street. Darcy, must be pretty relieved that's all over. Yeah, definitely. No, it's um, very exciting, obviously. bit of mixed emotions. Very sad that my time's um, ended at Fremantle, but I've got a lot of memories that I'll cherish forever, so... Yeah, I'm excited for a fresh start at North Melbourne and, yeah, stoked that the deal's done so early in trade period. I can rest up now. Yes, 108 games with the Dockers. You were never a first-pick player in some respects, but you were never too far out of the equation. It was a case for your career at Fremantle where you really had to fight for your place, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, obviously, it probably hasn't ended up how I'd planned and how I would have liked. I would have loved to been solidified my spot and been a really good midfielder as such for the female Dockers. But, um, yeah, I've got a lot of lessons that I've learned over the journey and I'm sure that will only hold me in good stead for the rest of my career. Did other clubs enter the frame, Darcy, or uh, was it always just sort of North Melbourne or Fremantle uh, the landing spot for next season? Um, there was actually a fair bit of interest early. It was about five clubs that manager had spoken to, but um, a few of them clubs had a fair bit else going on with other targets as such. So um, when it comes down to it, it probably come down to um, obviously staying at Freo, North Melbourne or Essendon. And it seemed like North Melbourne was the best fit for me and I really um, enjoyed the way they went about it. Um, and yeah, it seemed like a really good fit. And yeah, so that's why I decided to go with them. 
One of the unfortunate sides of football is injuries, Darcy, and uh, you're recovering from an knee injury at the moment. How's uh, that all tracking along, the uh, recovery, and when will you join in with pre-season? Yeah, um, obviously did a um, meniscus injury in the last game of the season while I was in the waffle, um, which is very unfortunate, but, yeah, it's all part of it. Had surgery straight away, so I'm four weeks post-op now. Um, surgery went really well, um, recovering really well, and, Probably a bit of a head of schedule, but, um, which is good news, but I still have to take it slow and stick to the timeline to make sure I get it all right. But, um, we'll miss a bit of a chunk of pre-season, but hopefully post-Christmas I'm back in full training so I can get a couple of months in where I can set myself up for the start of the season. Speaking with Darcy Tucker, former docker turned kangaroo as part of trade week. Now, Darcy, originally from Horsham, taken pick 27 in the 2015 draft. Your reasons for going back to Victoria in part football for opportunities, I'm guessing, but also family. How, how big a pull was that? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, footy-wise, like you spoke about, I just thought it was the right time for opportunity because um, I want to play my best footy and maximise my career. And I thought North was a good fit. And yeah, like you just mentioned, I am Victorian. Um, I'm a Horsham boy, so Perth is a long way from home. But about seven years in Perth, and I've loved every bit of it, but I feel like it was a really good time to come home. Um, me and my partner, Ali, we're both from Victoria, so it'll be, yeah, awesome to be surrounded by friends and family and get closer to home. Of course, the Kangaroos receive yourself and Griffin Logan, a future third-round selection in exchange for a future second-round AFL special assistance future round and a future fourth round selection. So there's some draft picks all mixed in there. But with Griffin going across, how much chat have you had with him over the past few weeks about the prospect of joining each other at the same club? Yeah, fair bit. Um, obviously, he had a bit of a decision to make. We've got our own sort of circumstances. I feel like mine is a fair bit different to his, but me and Griff are close. We're close friends. Um, and, yeah, I supported him along the whole way. Um, and, yeah, it's awesome to have him coming over with me. It's going to make the transition that much better. And, um, yeah, he's obviously going to be a very, very valuable player for the Kangaroos as well. So I'm stoked to have him on board with me. I'm sure Freo are upset to lose him. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited to to bring Griff along with the journey with me. Um, yeah, and we'll live together for the first six months and, yeah, go along the ride together. So heading over with Griff, uh, are there any mates uh, at the Kangaroos? Are any guys that you've played some junior footy with that you might be linking up with as well? Um, I played Vic Country with Josh Simpkin, so um, yeah, I know him already. But apart from that, I don't really know too many of the other boys. But already so far, even before the trade, I've had a fair few phone calls and texts from the boys, and they all seem very welcoming. And from what I've heard, um, despite their performances over the past couple of years, the the vibe and culture among the group is is awesome and you wouldn't pick it from inside the four walls. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to, to join the boys and to meet all the boys and, um, yeah, to get stuck into process with them and hopefully turn things around over the next few years. Is it a bit unsettling, albeit out of your control, with your coach, Alistair Clarkson, still not sure of where that uh, story will end? And obviously he was a big part, I'm guessing, of the reason that you wanted to, to head across. Yeah, a little bit. Um, obviously, I can't comment too much on it because it's an investigation that he's involved in. But from what I saw today, the panel's been announced, and I'm sure Clarko um, looks forward to to getting his word across and um, for having the chance to speak. So, um, yeah, with my dealings with Clarko, before all this happened, um, I absolutely loved him. He was very impressive in the interview, and 
um, yeah, he's a wizard of the game. I think his knowledge of footy and the coaching experiences he's got is is only going to really help the North Melbourne Footy Club. So um, fingers crossed, um, all things go well. But yeah, I just hope everyone involved is okay and, and um, Clarko himself as well. Yeah, there's a bit of an exodus of Fremantle Dockers, certainly with Griffin Logue yourself. Um, Blake Akers going to Carlton and possibly Rory Lobb. Um, obviously, the impression is that it was a happy camp, but this is modern footy, I suppose. You get other opportunities and you, you have to take those chances with your career in so many ways limited by years. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think every single one of us um, that have requested a trade have got our own sort of reasons and um, for differing opportunities. So, um, yeah, as I discussed at the start, my reasons are pretty clear for opportunity and for family pool to Victoria and stuff like that as well. But, um, yeah, it's it's all part of footy these days, I guess. Um, and, yeah, it's just all part of it. But I'm sure Rio will find ways to bounce back. They've got a really good culture there at the moment and um, obviously a progressing young young side. So I'm sure you'll set them up there every single year the next few years. All part of footy, as you say, Darcy, and uh, almost as happy and uncoupling as they can be in modern football with the Dockers receiving a pick and you hopefully going off to uh, get some more uh, playtime as well. Uh, is there anything you want to leave the Fremantle fan base with? Because you are still, you know, well-loved uh, by a lot of the fan base out there. I remember seeing a lot of the time, you know, get Tucker in at different points along the way. So is there anything you want to get to uh, our Fremantle-based listeners that are joining us tonight? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I've had seven years at the club and I've got memories of them, seven, seven years that I'll cherish forever. Um, so not only do I thank the Ferrero Dockers, but the the Purple Army has got a huge fan base um, and thanks for every, every one of them fans that have stuck by me. Um, sometimes there's some that haven't, but um, I definitely am very grateful and thankful for those that I have. Um, and yeah, I'll definitely miss playing out in Ops Stadium in the Purple. There's, there's no other feeling like it, so... Yeah, now I can't wait to actually come back over as the opposition and get back out there again. <laughs> well, it wasn't always tucker time for the Dockers for you, Darcy, but let's hope it, that's the case for you at North Melbourne. Uh, it's been a pleasure watching you close up at Optus Stadium play for Fremantle. We wish you all the very best. I'm sure Dockers supporters as well would echo those sentiments. Uh, you've been a great servant to the footy club and best of luck in your new career at North Melbourne. No, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. There it is, Darcy Tucker, Kangaroos recruit, part of our trade radio update. Thanks to Continental Tyres, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. Search Continental Tyres today. And, of course, thanks to Barbecues Galore. Go to iCanWin.com.au to win a Ziggy by Ziggler and Brown Barbecue this summer. Plenty more to come in Sports Day. I'll tell you all about it right after this. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Thanks for being part of Sports Day on this Wednesday night. Thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage, Cars of the Year. Plenty of great interviews coming up after the 7 o'clock news. We're going to catch up with Jai Henley, the 2022 Giro d'Italia winner. Also Andy Harper, football commentator with 10 Sport. The A-League begins this weekend. Perth Glory taking on the West Sydney Wanderers. Amy Schmidt from the West Coast Eagles AFLW side. Michael Laminato will talk Formula One with us. And Mark Allen, plenty happening in the world of golf. But up next on 882 6PR. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year.
Second hour of the show on Sports Day on this Wednesday night. Mark Reddings alongside Paul Heath. And thanks to Repco Authorised Service for expert car service. Book into your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. It's time to talk to a young man who has enjoyed some wonderful moments in 2022, including the Giro d'Italia winner. His name is Jai Hindley. He joins us back in Perth to have a chat about his season, his year, and the success he's had. Jai, thanks for joining us this evening. Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, I mentioned the Giro d'Italia. It was an outstanding performance by your good self. Uh, is it a distant memory or something that uh, every time you think of it brings a smile to your face? Um, yeah, I mean, it's still, still pretty crazy actually when I, when I think about it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, really nice to be back in Perth at the moment and, uh, and just letting it soak in and catching up with family and friends and everyone. So what's been the memory of, uh, the Giro and also building up towards, uh, perhaps a title defense a little way down the line? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, pretty pretty crazy to win it and uh yeah i'm not sure if i'll be going back to the duo next year um, maybe i'm going to ask the team if i can do the tour de france so that'll be the big goal next year hopefully and uh is there a different process in uh, preparing yourself for a tour de france over a giro d'italia or is it quite similar um i mean it's all yeah it's all pretty similar i think <laughs> I think the main difference being that the tour is just uh, like the biggest race in the world, and the, the pressures are yeah, is a lot more, and uh, yeah, maybe the level is a bit higher. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, pretty similar. You know, you're racing your bike for like three weeks, and it's bloody brutal. So, how important or significant, Jai, was the move to the Bora? Hansgrohe team for the 2022 season. What did that do for you and your your cycling and your your ability to compete and and obviously win? Yeah, I think it helped a lot. You know, um, I was at my old team for for like four years, so I think it was a good time uh, to move on and just have like a fresh start and a fresh environment. And um, yeah, really really enjoyed the change. Um, and yeah, the team's been awesome with the support and everything. So yeah, it's been, been really nice. When you're on the bike and, uh, bearing down, dragging yourself up, you know, some ungodly hill, are you just focusing on breathing or turning the legs over or are you, you know, singing yourself a little tune or something to keep going? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just trying to think about anything other than uh, the pain in the legs, to be honest. And. On the uh, bicycle, uh, what's the most important piece of kit? Uh, do you think? I know they're worth you know a couple hundred thousands of dollars, uh, but is it a, a you know lightweight super space fabric frame or something to do with the brakes? What would you say the most important piece of kit is? Uh, I reckon the wheels. They definitely help. <laughs> Having two wheels, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, what 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 about? Uh, Joy, what about the the age that you are? Twenty six, uh, which is, I'm thinking a baby in terms of cycling. You wouldn't have reached your peak yet by by some margin. Is that a fair call? Um, yeah, I mean it's hard to say. I mean the way cycling's going these days, the the younger you are, like the better guys are performing almost. So it used to be like around that 27 years old to 30 years old is when you'd like really hit your 
your peak, but now guys are just, uh, yeah. I mean, winning world championships at, I don't know, 22 years old, 22 years of age. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just changed a lot. Uh, just the way that cycling's developed and, um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I'm like getting on a bit in terms of, in terms of peak performing years when you look at the guys coming up now. Wow, that's interesting at uh, the tender age of 26. Speaking to Jai Hindley on Sports Day, who's back in <laughs> Perth. And uh, early this year, now we talked about the Giro d'Italia uh, success, but early in the season you, you picked up a top five finish in the uh, Torino Adriatico uh, event. How much confidence or how much did that help you build towards uh, the year you had? Yeah, I think it played a, a big part, you know, because... Uh, in 2021, I had like a really rough season, probably like, yeah, uh, one of my worst seasons to date, just with like, uh, illness and injury and bad luck and everything. So, um, yeah, I had like a lot of, uh, a lot of like self pressure and an expectation coming into 2022 and, um, yeah, I mean, the lead-up was pretty good, and, like, yeah, I could run fifth in Torino Adriatico, and that was, like, a big confidence booster, and then, uh, yeah, leading in, into the Juro. So I think I have a lot. Looking back to the kid that got his start at the Midland Cycling Club, uh, Jai, uh, is there any advice you could give to him or any other riders that are perhaps starting out at a similar point in their careers at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it would just be to enjoy it as much as possible and, um, yeah, just have fun, like riding your bike and, uh, yeah, just work bloody hard, is all I can say, consistently and, and uh, yeah, just put in the hard yards and it'll come good. Speaking of hard yards, success obviously helps with sponsorship and getting your brand a higher profile. Did the Giro d'Italia assist you in that department? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely hasn't hurt. Um, but yeah, it was pretty nice. Uh, Lexus actually hooked me up with a car for this week, so I'm driving around in a sweet new Lexus, which is unreal. Exactly. So thanks for them. Exactly. Nice plug yeah. there, uh, Jai. Uh, and so this, this day in Perth, I'm assuming just to see family, uh, what else on the agenda? This is a rare chance to, to put your, put your feet down in your hometown. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty busy since I've been back with, uh, yeah, just catching up with people, catching up with family and friends and, uh, doing events and, and that sort of stuff. And yeah, I think it's going to be pretty busy until I fly out on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's gone really quick, but, um, I'll be back, I'll be back in Australia in, in a couple of weeks after I fly out. So yeah. It's, the time's been really nice, though, like just seeing my family again and yeah, hanging out with my girlfriend and my friends. So. Terrific. Can you just paint the picture for us, your schedule, for the next well, three to six months in terms of competition? Um, yeah, I actually can't tell you. I haven't, haven't uh, yeah, I go to Europe and we have like a bit of a team get-together and then we'll talk about like the program for next year. So actually I don't have any idea what it will be like, but, um, yeah, I think I'll definitely ask the team if, if the tour is a possibility because I'd really like to do it.
something on your radar. I mean, that's it's a, talk about getting into the sport. That's the one event that is iconic, isn't it? And something that, by the sounds of it, if you could tick that off your your list, you'd be a pretty contented man. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like the yeah, it's the pinnacle of of the cycling world, and um, yeah, like I've I've never done it, so actually, it's like a been a dream of mine since I was a kid just to ride the tour. So that would be pretty incredible if I could do that next year. Well, Jai, enjoy your brief stay back in Perth. Uh, nice to hear you're on four wheels and not two for the stay back in WA. <laughs> and you can rest those legs for what's going to be, I'm sure, a very busy 2023. Hopefully we'll see you uh, doing some fine work at the Tour de France. But thanks for spending some time with us on Sports Day. And once again, best of luck for what's ahead of you in the future. Beauty. Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate you time. There it is, Jai Hindley, 2022 Giro d'Italia winner, WA cyclist and making a name for himself on the world stage. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service, you can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Up next, we're talking football. Andy Harper with everything that's happening, including the Perth Glory in action this weekend. More on Sports Day after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Great to have your company on Sports Day as we roll into our next segment. Thanks to Mate. Make the switch to Mate Internet and Mobile. And so much football to talk about. We're talking about the world game, of course. And Andy Harper, well known in these parts, a commentator with 10 Sport. He knows it back to front. And he joins us for a bit of a yarn about what's happening this weekend and beyond. Andy, thanks for your time tonight. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Let's start with, uh, I guess, the A-League, the return, the excitement. Uh, How Mm. much anticipation surrounds this season? Ah, oh, like heaps. <laughs> I mean, it's for football fans, and your listeners will, will certainly relate to this. Um, uh, the off season in Australia is the longest on the planet, I think. And it, you know, it's it's whereas other countries um, only have four, six weeks, maybe eight weeks between their seasons. We have to sit through for that many months, and um, people get really itchy and I'm real itchy and can't wait for the start of the comp this Friday night. We've got Western United and Melbourne City. It's a rematch of last year's title decider to get things going on Paramount Plus and be, I'm really looking forward to the, it, the rest of the round and then the, this season. It's a really important one for the game. We've got to get the Perth Glory sort of question in and also the hopes and uh, fears for their season coming up. Yeah. Andy, I've been looking into a couple of people's top six uh, predictions that they've had and Perth Glory haven't been in the six. That hasn't surprised yeah. me too much after what we've seen, but no. is there hope for them yeah. to have, you know, one of those rapid rises up the table or what have you seen from the Glory yeah. unit that uh, would give, you know, the fans some hope? Well, uh, we haven't seen anything of the Glory because they didn't qualify along with the Wanderers for... Uh, Australia Cup action and um, great standalone competition that that is won by MacArthur last Saturday. Um, it does give us a bit of a look um, at the way teams are, are sort of shaping up, and because Wanderers and Perth weren't in it, we haven't we haven't had that privilege. Now um, there's been a big turnover of players. Uh, Ruben Zakovic has ma- managed to attract some pretty good CVs to the club, so there should be a lot of excitement around that. Um, a big determining or big influencing factor for glory, I should say, is the home ground situation this year um, with renovation work being done, upgrade work being done uh, on Perth Oval. Um, this is the first time in, you know, 30 years that Perth Glory aren't at their home ground. So, you know, that could work for them or, or it might be a problem for them. We don't know. 
But I've got a lot of confidence that, um, you know, when, when individuals um, and football clubs get desperate and on the back of last season, there should be a measure of desperation for the glory. Uh, and I, like you, are not surprised that people aren't expecting them to knock off, um, you know, uh, enough teams regularly to get into the top six. But you know what? Each year there's at least one surprise that, that bobbles up to the top. And, there's no, you know, Perth could be that team. It's a great chance this for Ruben Zatkovic. He's been able to build the squad in his own image or as he's chosen. Um, and that's a great thing for a coach to be able to do. And, mate, if anyone in the game's hungry, it's Ruben Zatkovic. So um, I expect him to put a very good foot forward. And Perth Glory fans should be very hopeful that that, that, um, that materialises with, with, a, with a competitive team that, that starts picking up points along the way. So, Andy, pre-season, we get you to put your crystal ball on the table then. Who are the, the top couple of sides that you think will be uh, dominant on the A-League table at the, the business end? Well, you know, I I could mount a case for every club, um, but until you see how players settle in a new surrounding, how a coach settles with these new players, how the first games unfold, um, you know, I think what we can bank on is that the early rounds of the season are really important because there's not, you know, whether it's the Aussie Rules Comp or the National Rugby League or the A-League, there's not really many instances in the history of those competitions where teams have been languishing for the first half of the season seriously and then come through into a top finals position. It's just really rare. I think Adelaide United did it in our comp a couple of years ago where they were almost last at the uh, at the Christmas turn of the season and then got an incredible win streak that got them uh, into the grand final. But that's really rare. So this question is better answered after about week six um, because I could mount an argument for every team. If you're going to push me on it, um, we've seen that MacArthur uh, have done well enough to win the Australia Cup. To me, that counts. So I'm expecting them. Put it this way, it'll be surprised to me if they don't uh, finish in the finals. Um, and with a couple of the announcements around Melbourne victory, Tony Popovich, a former Glory coach in charge at Victory, I'm expecting that football club to go to another level uh, across the spectrum of considerations, on field, off field, um, and start establishing new benchmarks for the league. And on that basis, um, I'm thinking Melbourne victory. So if you're going to push me, I'll put MacArthur and victory in the grand final. Um, and I'm very confident that Perth Glory um, will turn last season's massive disappointment around. No COVID implications this year. The families will be at home with their playing uh, members um, and the fans will be there every second week on average to support their team. So there won't be excuses from Perth Glory. Speaking with Andy Harper, 10 Sport expert ahead of the A-League season. Just quickly, Football Australia has issued a life ban to a spectator who has shown performing a fascist salute at Saturday's Australia mm. Cup final. Strong stance, good stance? Yeah. yeah, the minimum, the bare minimum. I don't say that disparagingly of Football Australia. You know, from my reading of the tea leaves, they've got the bit between their teeth on this issue, as they should, as the governing body of the game. Um, you know, that sort of behaviour. This is not about... You know, one of the tropes around football for decades has been, oh, yeah, real Aussies don't like it. It's a game for migrants. Well, our society has evolved and matured beyond that. So there was, you know, in the old days, fans waving Croatian flags really would have got under the nose of so-called mainstream Australia. But we've gone past that. Uh, and people turning up celebrating their Croatianness uh, at a football match is, is part of the colour and part of Australia's diversity. Very clear line between 
that and what some people decided to, or there's some things people decided to express, which is completely unacceptable. Um, uh, you know, political movements that are dangerous have been disgraced um, um, and they've got no place in, in Australian society, much, much less in football stadiums. And Football Australia um, they, they have just started, really. They've just started. And, and I don't think they'll let people up. No, of course they won't. Um, people who have been, who are identified as, as propagating this, this stuff um, will be given don't come Mondays for sure. And that's a bare minimum. Absolutely. Andy, uh, well spoken. Uh, just to once again give our listeners an idea of what's to come, the Wanderers versus the Glory live, 11.30am WA time on 10 Bold, 10 Play and Paramount. And then, of course, the Combank Matildas uh, Thursday tomorrow, October 6th, the preview show at 10.30. That is, of course, Australian Eastern Daylight Time on 10 Bold and 10 Play. Saturday, October 8th, Matildas v South Africa. You'll see it all on 10 Bold, 10 Play, Paramount. Uh, Andy, great to spend some time with you. We'll enjoy listening and, uh, and watching your work over the course of this uh, magnificent A-League season, which is about to begin. Beautiful, Andy. Thanks for your time. Good on you. Andy Harper joining us, expert footy commentator with 10 Sport. Thanks to Mate 5G Mobile Plans in every territorial state. Why wait? Make the switch to Mate. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day for KO. Watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports. Let's talk some AFLW. The West Coast Eagles take on the Tigers Friday night at Mineral Resources Park. And Amy Schmidt from the Eagles joins us for a chat. Amy, thanks for your time tonight. No problem. What about the story of the day, at least the, the pride jumper, which the first time the club has come up with uh, a design and the ladies wore the, the jumper at training today. What's the feedback from the players? Yeah, I think um, the players are really happy with how um, everything's come out. Um, we spend a lot of time um, with the whole process designing between um, obviously current players and former players and people involved at the club. And um, yeah, I think the design's really cool. And um, I think it really represents um, the Pride jersey with, um, yeah, it's just so awesome just to have it. Yeah. I love that the uh, shorts are going to incorporate a bit of the colour as well, Amy. But how important is the Pride Jumper to the team? What does it mean to them to be part of the representation uh, for the community? Yeah, um, obviously, um, yeah, just representing the club and wearing these, those colours with pride. Um, and, you know, it just represents um, the whole, the, not just the club, but the whole community and, the whole, and our supporters as well and just um, makes everyone feel like they belong and um, they're valued. So uh, can you take us through the process a little bit? I saw that the uh, Andrew Gilmore was involved as well, helping out with the design of the jumper. Did you yourself have uh, any input as well uh, with the design? Um, there was a committee. Um, so, yeah, Andrew Gilmore, one of our past players, but um, there was a few of our current players as well. I wasn't on the committee, um, but and also staff members from the AFLW program and um, just from the club itself. Um, they sat down and went through a few designs and then presented it to the whole playing group. And um, we, yeah, we got to kind of be involved in the whole process and really like work through um, it all together and create something that a brand that we really wanted to promote and celebrate. Terrific, and that's been embraced. You had an open training session today, I believe. So uh, all things heading in the right direction on that front, but when it comes to winning matches, it's also looking a lot more positive this year. A couple of victories, a lot more competitive, Amy. Is there a lot more positivity around what the team is producing on game day? Yeah, 
obviously we've got a very young group still and um, we've still got a lot of developing to do, but I think we're, we're definitely um, heading in the right direction. Obviously some tough losses um, going down the last couple of weeks by both by three points. Um, I think it shows that we've progressed a lot, but um, there's still a little bit of work to do to get us where we really want to be. But I think, yeah, all sites are heading in the right direction at this stage. I've only had the chance to catch one of the games live. Um, I noticed the delivery inside 50 was much better this season, which has led to your forward line being dangerous on almost all entries. Um, can you tell us about that and other areas of improvement that uh, you've seen in the team so far this season? Yeah, I think um, obviously having a, that midfield, uh, key midfield group um, playing consistently every week and, yeah, we've, we've spent a lot of time working on our forward line entry. Obviously, our forward line's changed a little bit um, from last year, but... Um, I think we've got a very dynamic forward line. Um, we've got a bit of speed and a little bit of height, and I think everyone contributes their, their role in that forward line, and it makes it very dangerous when it does come in. It's resulting at um, scoreboard pressure. But, yeah, I think those young girls just having a few matches under their belt now um, are starting to find their straps, which is really good to see. Now, Amy, you should have beaten the Dockers, shouldn't you? You, got, you had your chances, didn't you, on that uh, grand final week in the AFL? Yeah, it would have been nice, um, but yeah, obviously, um, still, still some positives to take out of it. Um, and then I think we're just focused on this week, and we just keep working on getting better, and hopefully we can get them next year. Now, a couple uh, off-field ones, Amy. Uh, I've seen that uh, your game day superstition is to not have any coffee on game days. Does that get you too hyped up, or a little bit too nervous before the game, or is there another reason? Um, I just. Um, it's just a personal preference, really. Yeah. I've, ne- um, I've never done it, and I, I, I don't know if I should start. I mean, it's not, not the worst <laughs> thing in the world. I just, um, yeah, just um, don't really like the feeling of being too full before a game. So, fair enough. <laughs> nothing too crazy. And uh, is your favourite game day song still Darude Sandstorm? Do you still give that one a bit of a turnover before the uh, girls head out? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's one of those good ones that gets you up and about. So um, always nice to have a listen to that before you run out. And when you do run out, Amy, you've uh, hit the scoreboard uh, this year, which is important, seven goals. And you've, you've certainly, one of the key pillars you talked about, the attack, this is, uh, I guess, one part of the game that you bring to the table is uh, ability to hit the scoreboard. Yeah, I think um, this year it's been nice to kind of share the load. Um, I think we've got some yeah really good forwards up there that are all kicking goals. So, um Nice to have some support up there, but yeah, I do love to um, hit the scoreboard and make it count when I can. Amy, always a pleasure to have a chat to AFLW wise. So best of luck against Richmond on Friday evening. Thanks for being part of Sports Day. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. Great to speak to Amy Schmidt of the West Coast Eagles for KO. Don't risk missing all of your team's matches at the T20 World Cup on KO Sports. Up next, we're talking Formula One. Daniel Ricciardo, Michael Laminato will roll through exactly where the West Australian driver will end up in 2023. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. So nice to have you with us on this Wednesday night. Sports Day, Mark Reddings and Paul Heath. It is time for an Aussie interview. It's important to buy Australian right now. And Michael Laminato, Formula One journalist who covers this wonderful sport from most parts of the world. He joins us for a chat now. Michael, thanks for your time tonight. All good. I should say I'm not for sale, though, so you can't buy me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what about Daniel Ricciardo? Is he for sale? And some vision we see in a pick or two of him with the Australian reportedly in advanced discussions to join Mercedes, reserve driver. And there has been some, some vision, as I say, some pics of him just loitering in the uh, Mercedes area. 
Yes, for sale, absolutely. Or he's put himself on the market, we should say, because as we know, for some time he's been without a contract for 2023 since he was dropped by McLaren a year early. The rumour was a couple of, or a month or so ago, when he when he announced his departure from McLaren, that he might seek a reserve driver role with Mercedes. Now, that's a pretty last roll of the dice kind of move, and it does seem like he's prepared to make that last roll of the dice because the rumours are... He will be there on a third driver contract. Nothing confirms yet. It's still some way to go. But that would presumably place him in a position to, this is the plan anyway, potentially replace Lewis Hamilton if he were to retire at the end of his contract at the end of next season. But obviously a massive if, because Hamilton has already signaled a couple of times that he does intend to continue. He wants to at least win his eighth world title. So it is a risk. But given there are so few options left on the grid at the moment, it is, I suppose, in many respects, his best chance to try and keep a look in for 2024. So, it, as you say, it is probably his best chance of keeping a look in, but it's not the agreed-upon uh, normal way, is it? He would be vying for one of those three seats that we think are available rather than this reserve drive sort of um, setup that he might be going for? Yeah, that's right. It is pretty unusual for a driver of someone of Daniel Ricciardo's ability to be taking up a reserve driver role. He's an eight-time Grand Prix winner. Been racing for a decade, that does kind of illustrate well a couple of things. One is that the driver market is really tight at the moment. There are not so many options. The best would have been Alpine, but it seems like Alpine is going to try and take him back after he walked out on them at the end of 2020. Or you just go out of the sport altogether. Now he said he's he's really eager to continue his career in Formula One. He's still got business to pursue. The only way he can do that without completely stepping away from the sport and risk his name being lost in the mess of driver markets in the next couple of years is to be associated with the Formula One team. And, well, there's very few better than Mercedes, really. It's a team that hopefully, or it hopes anyway, will be returning closer to the front next year. It's obviously very well established. That'll give him a good opportunity to keep his name involved, and that's the thinking there. And is it ironic that he would end up in a role that Piastri has at the moment? I know he's going to move on to uh, a different one, but, yeah, it, it, is that ironic? I guess there is a certain amount of irony there, isn't there? That the new guy is finally getting his shot in at Formula One and the older guy is moving back into a reserve role. It is an interesting position and it is a real sliding doors moment for Australia, isn't it? It feels like it's, it's so difficult for us to get more than one driver on the grid. Obviously, Daniel Ricciardo and Mark Webber had only a very brief period of crossover, but it seems like at least for the next year, we will be back, back down just to, just to one driver in Oscar Piastri. Singapore GP, I had some friends go up there for the weekend and it's always highly thought of, uh, highly regarded. Your uh, reflections on it? Yeah, well, presumably they've dried out by now because there was a lot of rain for the Singapore Grand Prix. The first time we've had such a wet weather race there, despite it being a place that ordinarily rains quite a bit. But as a result, we didn't get as spectacular a race as I suppose we probably would have hoped for the return of Singapore. That sometimes happens when it rains at the start and dries out during the race. But what we also didn't get was Max Verstappen winning the title. This was his worst weekend of the whole season, really, to be honest. It's his equal worst result, but it was all on him after qualifying, of course, when the team made a mistake, but he crashed a couple of times during the race, just being a little bit too ragged and over-ambitious, I think, in his eagerness to try and recover places. And as a result, it was a long shot for him to win the championship in Singapore, but he definitely couldn't have done it with the performance he put in. Gets another chance this weekend, of course, in, in Japan, but he has to bounce back from that. And, of course, his teammate, Sergio Perez, who won, he's hoping to build a little bit of momentum from this as well after going off the boil in the last couple of months or two. So it's not as straightforward as maybe the numbers suggest, uh, assuming that, that uh, Max Verstappen doesn't bounce straight back.
Uh, Dan uh, picks up a fifth uh, in Singapore. It's a bit of an outlier as far as uh, the results for him for the season. Uh, is that down to more uh, other people crashing out, not finishing the race, or how great a drive he had on the weekend? He had a very solid drive, but the massive gain he made more than 10 places was down to just a great strategy call by him and the team, which was not to switch immediately to the dry tyres as the track was drying. It meant that everyone else who switched to the dry tyres they were going a little bit slower in the immediate aftermath. And then, of course, Yuki Tsunoda crashed, caused the safety car, and they got a really cheap stop. But it was a pretty solid drive from him at a track that shouldn't have suited the McLaren. It ended up working out quite well for them because Alpine, both drivers, retired from the race with engine problems, which meant they were able to gain some, some good points on them. But it was a strong drive. He sort of described afterwards he felt a bit sad that this was a good drive for him to finish fifth. It's, it's sort of below his historical standards, isn't it? But it does kind of illustrate the problems he's had with that car. But it was a strong result that hopefully he can build on this weekend. And when it comes to 2023, how regulation is it that only three of the 20 spots on the grid remain unconfirmed? Uh, Alpine, Haas and Williams, uh, where are we where are we thinking that lies in terms of uh, the last five or ten years? It's not super unusual for us to end up sort of late-ish in the season as it is now with one or two seats left because inevitably you get to a point where neither team, let's talk about Haas and Williams in particular because it feels like Alpine really wants Pierre Gasly, where they're not super committed to a decision yet because, let's be honest, they're not extremely desirable teams and the drivers who are left on the market will have no choice but to race for one of them. And so they can take their time making that decision. It does seem like they're all sort of moving down their shortlist at this point. Let's say Alpine seems like they're going to grab uh, Pierre Gasly from Alpha Tower. Alpha Tauri seems like to replace him. We'll go for Nick DeVries, who had that sensational one-off performance in Italy a couple of weeks ago. Pass is still weighing up Mick Schumacher. It's sort of a 50-50 decision at this point. Mick needs to really lift his game a little bit, turn in some performances, and he can keep that seat. Otherwise, he's got Nico Hulkenberg in the wins row ready to replace him. And Williams, the last place team in the Constructors' Championship at the moment, they're eager to promote their reserve driver from Formula 2, but it's unclear whether or not he'll qualify for a super license yet. We won't know until Abu Dhabi, in fact, the last race of the season. But it's starting to shake out now, but there's still time for drivers to manoeuvre a little bit to get themselves into the picture. Terrific. Michael, always a pleasure. Your knowledge on motor racing, particularly Formula One, is second to none. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day. Anytime, guys. There it is, Michael Laminato, Formula One journalist. Our Aussie interview, it's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. After the break, we're going to chat some golf with Mark Allen on Green to Green right here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Great to have your company on Sports Day. Time for Green to Green for Barra and O'Day because... The little things are everything. Time to check in with Mark Allen, former golf pro, part of 3OW's The Twilight Zone. Of course, radio ratings gold, as uh, we know of him on the East Coast, particularly in Melbourne. Marco, thanks for your time tonight. <laughs> G'day, boys. Always good fun talking golf with you, blokes. Absolutely. Let's begin with uh, New Zealand's Ryan Fox. He won uh, the Dunhill Lynx Championship and, of course, paid a special tribute to his friend SK Warner. There's a lovely picture I saw on social media with the two of them together. Yeah, isn't it great? Uh, it's funny how sport works from time to time. Um, Shane Warne was uh, Foxy's partner in the Dunhill Lynx for a long, long time. I mean, I reckon they played about five together. Does that ring true? Yep. Um, so they were mates. Uh, and, and you do develop relationships in in these tournaments. Uh, um, it, it's just funny how it works. You're paired with somebody, you go up and down, and 
your names on the leaderboard, you drop off one year. Uh, you know, they got close a couple of times. Um, but certainly uh, it was very nice to see this fellow who we've been speaking about lately on your program um, do well. He's moved up to 30-something in the world. A lot of people thought uh, Mr Fox should have been in the President's Cup team. I am one of those. Uh, disappointing, uh, but, you know, he's starting to move in the right direction. He's going to be available to play all the majors next year. He hits low darts like you can't believe. He was nervous finishing. And, you know, Alex Noren, I'm not sure whether you saw, but on the road, on the 18th hole, uh, Alex Noren needs an eagle on the last. He, he hit the ball out of bounds. It bounced back onto the golf course and onto the green. So he actually had a putt to, uh, to tie uh, Fox, but it didn't go in and, and Fox won a very big tournament. I think the first New Zealander to win in Scotland since Simon Owen did in the mid-70s. So uh, not a bad performance. I've got the uh, Shane Warne uh, tribute shirt on, so, yeah, definitely uh, still a shock <laughs> at the moment. Uh, but Bryson DeChambeau, he's made it to the head-to-head final in the Long Driving World Championships. He ended up going down by some 20 yards, though, to Martin Borgmeyer. But how is Martin's short game? Did he? Did Bryson have him there, at least? <laughs> yes, Bryson. But I reckon Martin would probably average 85, <laughs> uh, but not in this competition. And, and you know, the long drive, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, when it's on the telly, I can't stop watching it because it is incredible. 426 yards to 406 yards in the final. And can I tell you both, it was into the wind. Now, they're not using the normal driver that we get off the shelf. Um, you know, quite often it's a three degree driver or a five degree driver and it's 48 inches long and the, you know it's a it's literally a telephone pole that the, they've got in the club and extremely light and everything else but still uh, 426 yards into the wind it's just incredible to watch um, and, and I've played with a few of these guys there's a guy called Jason Zubak I played with him in the Alberta Open in 1999 how do I remember that I'll never know but I did <laughs> and um, you know I, I wasn't a completely short hitter but uh, I was pretty happy with the length off the tee. Uh, this guy, Jason Zubak, he was routinely hitting it 110, 120 steps past me. Uh, he was using a five-degree driver in that tournament, and he set a record, actually. He 13 shots out of bounds in the first two rounds, shot 82, 83, uh, and missed the cut. But, my God, it was fun watching him play. Uh, we've barely got through the outrage of the men's uh, live league, and now we're looking at, well, Greg Norman's looking at perhaps getting a ladies' league going. Uh, how far into this plan are we at the moment? Yeah, a long way in. Um, Greg, yeah, there's a lot of, because it's a 48 man field at the moment, and that is just an afternoon tea time, it's one o'clock hit off. Uh, they've got a lot of time in the morning to kill. So it makes sense to get some of the best women players in the world and put them off in the morning, maybe swap that around on the second round and maybe have it, you know, men and women playing in the final round, mix it up a little bit. So I reckon that would be the dream. Interesting, though, you know, the men play for a $4 million first prize in Live Golf. Sometimes that's eaten up into their signing uh, bonus, but sometimes it's not. Uh, that's interesting because the women have never played for a $4 million first place prize. And you would think with the Saudi, you know, just with the human rights and the way they have treated women in the past, they couldn't possibly come in and say, well, you're not going to play for as much as the men. So I reckon the girls will be jumping over themselves. They mightn't even take appearance fee. They might just play for the hell of it because the amount of money on offer is just outrageous. So get ready for it. 
it's definitely going to happen. They're a long way down the track. And this will really make the Live Golf package an awful lot better, particularly to sponsors around the world. Uh, you know, we've got an Australian Open coming up in December here at uh, Kingston Heath Golf Club, and the main host is Victoria Golf Club. It's men and women this year. It's first time ever the Australian mm-hmm. Open is. They've done it at the Vic Open a couple of times, but it's appealing to sponsors, and that's why they do it. So Live Golf having the girls involved, it's only going to be a powerful tool for them when they get to the negotiating table. Marco, I haven't seen the Charlie Woods uh, swing video. Have you got some input as to how what this looks like? Heater, can you please show Redders the swing on this kid? It is incredible. I'll tell you this. I I never won a tournament in my 15 years playing around the world. Not one. Don't laugh either, you guys. (laughs) Uh, If I had Charlie Woods swing, I reckon I would have won Australian Opens. It's that good. It's the best junior golf swing I've seen. Now, that doesn't mean much because... It's a long journey, uh, and you know you've got to be hungry. You've got to want to win big tournaments. You've want, you've got to go on an adventure. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of time in between where he is at the moment and where he wants to be. But I, again, I'll say it again. I've never seen a swing that good. And the follow through looks like Dad. The change of direction looks like Dad when Dad was at his best. And it's interesting just having a look at the clubs. You know, Tiger's got him not quite a blade, but something pretty close to a blade. So he's making him fight to find a sweet spot, which I think is a good idea with juniors. Uh, yeah, just watch out. It's going to be it's going to be a great journey watching this kid develop because what we're all seeing at the moment, it's phenomenal the way mm. he swings that golf club. I'll have to have a look. And the club twirl as well. I love uh, seeing uh, Charlie. Yeah. You know, he had a good one. Just that Mate. little spin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got to have the twelve. You, you can't, you can't be a statue at the finish, Peter. You've <laughs> actually got to have, you got to put it. That's why it just, it just yeah. completes the entire shot with a tiny little twirl. You'll get the hang of it. And uh, some news today, Marco. Uh, golf at the next Commonwealth Games. Well, look, you're asking the wrong person uh, <laughs> because I don't like it. I don't like golf in the Olympics. No. I, I think, you know, I think golf in the Olympics is no good. You know, it's golf shines all year round. It's other sports' time to shine, as far as I'm concerned. And, and is growing the game rubbish that they spit out? That's rubbish. You know, absolute rubbish. Yeah, in the Olympics, they've got this thing called European handball. The only place that's played is Europe. They're not growing European handball. So it's a joke. I don't believe it. I don't get it. Um, golf's got its platform. We should use it. And the Olympics do too. Stronger, higher, faster. You know the sports I'm talking about. It's a joke. Yeah, I agree. Although breakdancing is uh, also on the agenda at times. So let's not uh, let's not get too serious about it, Mark. I do agree, though. Golf, uh, tennis, I'm not sure that that should be at the Olympics. No, Always a right. pleasure, Marco. See you, lads. Mark Allen, uh, one of the stars of the 3AW Twilight Zone and former golf pro, great talent, great bloke, and loves his sport and particularly his golf. That is our Green to Green segment. Thanks to Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Heater, that's our show for tonight, a Wednesday done and dusted. Thanks for your contribution. Thank you, mate. I'll be back tomorrow with you. Looking forward to it. And, of course, coming up after the 8 o'clock news, it is Todd Johnson and the Night Shift. But on behalf of the team here at Sports Day, we'll see you tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.